everybody. Welcome back to Have a Little Insight, where Jenny and I try to have some tough and interesting conversations and hopefully leave you guys with some insights to take away and continue the conversation in your personal lives. So today we sat down with Kirk slash Kaya, who is a gender fluid and refer to as him or she, depending on what they are at that moment. But we wanted to get some insight into what their life is like and we got into a lot of other interesting discussions about like how we can be an advocate for people who are in the LGBTQ plus community and um, how we can be better to each other. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy and uh, have some takeaway from this. Hey, hello. Hi. Hi. I'm well. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Oh, good. Ryan just went to get a pen. He'll be right back. I heard that. Okay. No whatsoever. Okay. So just so we have it all right, Kirk, Kaya, Kirk, Kaya today, like. Huh. Well, that's part of the interesting conversation. So, so Kirk we'll at the it. moment could yeah. be Kaya at some point during the uh, discussion. Could okay. Kirk. Uh, hard to say. It's not a choice. It's more of a fluctuating thing. Okay, just want to make sure that we're using like the correct pronouns or the correct terms for you and being respectful and all that good stuff. No problem. I always appreciate that. And what I sort of say to people is I don't get too upset. I don't scream and yell. If it, you know, gets to be an issue, I'll just correct gently. But other than that, no okay. worries. Sounds Hello. Right. Hello. Uh, I, I feel like we're always prepared. And then there's like something last minute. I'm like, I need my notebook now. <laughs> You know what? If you're always prepared, then you're never prepared. That's my perspective. <laughs> there That's we go. Um, just to make sure, like, what I missed, I feel you were just saying about correcting if necessary, but... Yeah, so right now, Jenny was just asking whether it's Kirk or Kaya at the moment. So okay. right now it's Kirk, but it does fluctuate. So it's not kind of a, it may stay Kirk, it may change to Kaya. Hard to say, but if there is a change, I'll sort of let you know. And I'll show sure. you the pendant that helps people get a little bit of a visual cue. So I'll do that actually now, probably easy. Okay. It's hard to see, but it's a little pink fox pendant. So if it's out, it's Kaya. If it's in, it's Kirk. Just to give people a little bit of a visual cue because I know what people see, so try to be helpful. Cool. Cool. For me, like my experience kind of early on when I was in Toronto is I've been around people who are are gay or like have a more, I guess, like feminine energy, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, and I've just, I've asked out of genuine curiosity, like to a coworker, like, oh, is that, how does that person identify? And then they would get like, they'd get offended by me even asking, like I should already know, right? So it was kind of a weird thing. Cause like, it's not me trying to be like offensive or anything. It's just, I want to know. But then I feel like if I ask the person directly, then that might cause a problem too. Uh, so it's just, it's always been an interesting thing to me because obviously it's not something that, that I personally feel, uh, mm -hmm. but I do kind of understand it in a way because I myself don't feel like I identify fully masculine all the time. So I just thought it'd be really cool to kind of like pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> No problem. I, I do a lot of education. I do a lot of discussions, presentations, um, especially on terminology. It seems to be one of the big challenges for people. But it's interesting because, you know, when you talk about 
some people saying, oh, it's offensive to ask or feeling that it's offensive to ask. I had that same thing happen at work and I had somebody come to see me and they're like, well, it's causing problems for people. And I said, well, why don't people come and talk to me? Well, they don't want to offend mm. you. And I said, Here, here's a different way to look at it. What do you think is more offensive? Having a colleague or a friend or somebody come up and ask respectfully or finding out that your colleagues and friends are talking about you behind your back. And when I frame it that way, people are like, oh, probably just asking. I'm like, so long as people ask, genuinely interested and it's not you know, to be a put down or it's not to be demeaning, it's usually not a problem. And I sort of say to people, if you ask or if you get it wrong, if I scream and yell, you're not going to be too interested in having a conversation with me. If I explain calmly, if I'm, you know, open to those questions, then we can have a great conversation that we may not have to have next time. So that's that's my perspective on it. So don't hesitate to ask anything today. Feel free. No, and that's awesome. And I, I think that that's a great perspective to have. And like, I just kind of feel like in a way that's the way that everyone should really look at it but I also haven't lived someone else's experience so I don't know kind of like what might be a trigger for them or any anything like that so I sometimes try and like go around and find out the information in other routes but it, it is better to just go up to someone directly well and it's interesting because there's this whole discussion about pronouns right so yeah. people of course say your preferred pronouns and I'm going no they're not preferred they just are the same way as somebody who's cisgendered doesn't have preferred pronouns they just have pronouns but when i look at it sometimes and i've talked to a few people and they say asking being asked their pronouns is actually very hurtful and you know having that conversation it's not hurtful because somebody else sees them a certain way it's hurtful because they start thinking about their life you know you start reflecting the harm or the you know difficulty that it causes your family or your friends or you know how awkward it is when you're meeting new people or going to a meeting so you start to reflect on that and unfortunately for some people what can happen is you start to feel like the problem so those pronouns aren't simply a oh yeah I can just whip this off you know no big deal it starts a reflective process that all of a sudden can get the person sort of spinning and you stop and you go oh and this is going to continue for another 40 50 60 70 years so that's where it's I'll be honest, you can never be sure that asking is not going to offend somebody, is going to offend somebody. But if you are if you really do it just respectfully, I'd say 95% of people are going to react well. And I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that it comes down to a respect thing. Because mm -hmm. when I first started hearing about people having sex changes and being identified as a, as a they or being non-binary... Uh, and a lot of other kind of gender fluidity, which I do I do understand like the concept of that because it is very much on a spectrum just with all the different people that I've interacted with. You can't really judge a book by its cover necessarily, but I'm just curious like why why do you think that it is hard for people to ask directly in the first place? So before I answer that, I want to go back to two quick things that you said. First thing mm. is you said sex change. So that terminology is not something that is used because it implies okay. that it, it's kind of a transition point from one to the other. So it's usually gender confirmation surgery now um, to talk about okay. medically transitioning just because it's confirming the gender that the person actually is. Um, secondarily, term that people use a lot and you used it yourself, non-binary. So I'm going to take this for a quick second. 
Non-binary is a term personally I hate. I absolutely detest it. Reason being is people don't introduce themselves as what they're not. If I'm going to ask you a question, Ryan, so are you a male? Is that man, male? Is that how you identify, if I can ask? Yeah. Okay. So when is the last time you walked up and you said, hi, I'm Ryan, I'm a non-woman? You wouldn't introduce yourself that way. You'd say, I'm Hmm. Ryan, I'm a man or I'm male. In the same way, non-binary, it sets up anything after non, all of a sudden becomes less than. So whatever comes after that word non, in this case binary, becomes the standard. So if you don't fit into that binary standard, it actually, that term says you're less than. So ask yourselves this, is would you go up to somebody and say, oh, you know, that African-American individual's non-white? nobody would be happy about that, right? Because it says you don't meet some kind of artificial standard. So the term non-binary, personally, I detest it. If people ask and say, I identify as non-binary, I 100% will use it, but I would never use it for myself. The other one that you hear a lot is gender non-conforming. That one also, not a fan, because it makes it sound like your gender, the conformity is a choice. You choose whether to conform to certain things. Well. Your gender just is. You don't pick your gender. You don't choose, oh, I want to conform to, you know, the the gender binary or the, you know, non-gender binary. So typically not one I use. And people go, well, what can I say then? So the term monology I offer is gender diverse. It's very open. It's very encompassing. And it's actually very inclusive. And then if somebody says, well, what does that mean? I can offer gender fluidity to give them a little bit more detail if I'm comfortable doing that. And some people are and some aren't. Um, so a couple quick terminology things. But mm-hmm. in terms of your question, why aren't people comfortable asking? Um, I, having talked to a lot of people in the work that I do, there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm afraid to cause offense. They're so worried to to upset somebody. and it's, I get it, but by the same token, if we never have those conversations, we can't have a conversation. If people get so paralyzed by by being worried about upsetting somebody, then all of a sudden what happens is instead of, you know, the conversation we're having today, you might go out and you might read some materials that aren't great or that aren't applicable or written by people who don't understand. So that fear, that fear of, I guess, saying the wrong thing or causing offense, it stops people from having the hard conversations. And it's the same about a lot of things. You know, you could talk about racism, discrimination of any kind. People don't want to talk about it because it's awkward. It's uncomfortable, right? If I say to Jenny, oh, you know, um, I was speaking to somebody and she said, and Jenny's like, actually, the person goes by they. If I sit there and go, oh my gosh, I got it wrong. And and what do I do? And I'm sorry. What happens is then that person all of a sudden starts to have to comfort me. So all of a sudden it turns from being about them to being about me. And and that's not what it should be. So I think that's a huge part of it. I think the other thing is if you don't ask, then you don't have to worry about getting it right as well. So I have a few people at work. One individual came back to me when I came out as being gender fluid and I had gone on training. And I got back after about six months and I had sort of said to the staff, this is, you know, what I'd like all of you to know um, because I was the acting director at the time. And the person said, yeah, my boss told me, but I wish they hadn't. I didn't want to know. And I'm going, okay, but 
if I show up to work and I'm Kaya and that day I choose to wear makeup or a dress or whatever my gender expression is comfortable with, you're going to see it. So whether you want to know or not, it, it's going to be visible. I won't talk to you about it if you don't want to talk about it, and some people don't. But sometimes people figure if they don't ask, they can just go based on assumption. So if I see somebody um, and I don't ask, I might be like, well, I assume that their gender is X. So it's easier for people because it doesn't make them confront those challenging and sometimes difficult conversations. Yeah, and a lot of the conversations I've had with people in the past had just been friends who don't identify as being gender fluid. Mm -hmm. So it's it's harder for me to try and understand what that's like if I only just do my own research or talk to people that don't identify like that. So it's just great to be able to talk to you about it and really get like what it's like from your perspective. And the one thing I will say is I, I try to put this caveat whenever I do anything like this. Anything that I share is my perspective. It's my experience. I'll never speak for the whole gender fluid community. It's it's very different for different people. For some people, they you know will say one of my colleagues is an example. Um, what they experience is they're ninety percent male, or sorry, ninety percent a man, and they're ten percent a woman. And you'll hear me make that correction because male female is technically sex, man woman is technically gender. So they're not actually interchangeable, though people use them that way kind of all the time. Um, but so for them, when they go to work, it's 90% as a man, they will pick one weekend every month and that's when they express their um, side as a woman. So for them, it's totally controlled. They choose when they express or how, which gender, I guess they are at a given time. And when I sort of talked to people and I heard that for the first time, I went, oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, for me, I could wake up, I could be a woman, I could put on makeup, I get to work, I'm a man, I see the makeup, not a fan, want to take it off. By lunch, I'm a woman, by dinner, I'm a man, could be man for a week, could be woman for two days. It's literally something that shifts very much based on what's happening, who's around, how I'm feeling, what I'm seeing. So for some people, it's very controlled, it's very decision-based, and for other people, it, it, it is exactly what it says. It's very fluid. And so there is no control. And that can be very challenging, right? You're talking to your friends and they're using, for me, let's say Kirk and it's great, he, him, and then all of a sudden I'm Kaya and they're misgendering or misnaming me, not by intent, but because the change is so rapid. So it's it's a very different experience for different individuals. And I just want to express that because I don't want anybody coming back saying, well, that's not my experience. I think that's one of the more challenging aspects in terms of building like broader acceptance and broader mindset. It's very difficult to know. I'm part of the LGBT community and I identify as a lesbian and a, and a cisgendered woman, but it's very hard. Now there are so many terms and umbrella terms and different classifications based on person and, and being politically correct and not being politically correct. And I think for, well, I hope that for a large percentage of the population, people just want to get it right. But even what you were talking about, if we go back to um, gender versus sex, like man, male, woman, female, like those terms have been used interchangeably for, I don't know, longer than I've been alive. 
So it makes it very, it, it's difficult to process, I think, for people who don't identify that way. And that's really why I wanted to have the conversation is because part of the reason we started the podcast was to have conversations that most people don't have. So right. like you said, ask the questions that people aren't asking, talk about the things that people aren't talking about because we shy away from the uncomfortable. And so mm -hmm. we can't create these bigger conversations, these bigger understandings. But I think it's just, it's, it's, it's so big. Everything feels so big. And so like change, like oriented, like, and this is from somebody who's part of the community. Like before it just used to be like, I'm sure at one point, like lesbian, gay, bisexual. And it was like, cool. Okay. And they're yeah. just, we're being pushed further and further in terms of our boundaries, in terms of acceptance. And even as a member of the community, sometimes I get overwhelmed and I'm like, okay i'm like i'm always working on my understanding and i know even um i have a family member and they were in sales and they kept going to a store and there was um an employee who worked there who identified as non-binary and that was one of my questions leading into this what's the difference between being gender fluid and being non-binary and i like how you explained would you want to say like i'm not something well, no, you want to own your identity. You want to own your person. You want to, you know, you're not going to say, I'm a non-man. Like, you're right. We don't <laughs> talk that way. But this family member came home so upset because the employee had filed a complaint because they were struggling using they, them, there. Because it's a grammatical shift for a lot of people, especially older populations who are even still working to be respectful. So I guess what I'm looking to ask is, how do we open up the comfort zones for people to start bridging the acceptance and the understanding of these things that are, well, not these things of, I'm having a hard time finding the right words, but. It's okay. Basically, Jenny, how it'll do we, be a little awkward. <laughs> it'll be a little awkward. I, sh I was the one who was like, yes, let's have this conversation. And now I'm the one stumbling on my words, but. Don't worry about it. Um, I guess, how do we open this up for people? Like. Yeah. who want to be open, who want to be right, who want to be kind. Like the story with my family member is they were trying and they kept making a mistake, right? Older family member, mid fifties. And they received a complaint from that employee because they weren't using the proper pronouns. And I think that's really hard for people, especially people who are trying. It is. And that's, that's where I think the communities and certainly people who are gender diverse have a bit of a role to play is if, if people turn around to somebody who is trying and, you know, we start filing complaints or screaming or yelling or getting upset, we don't help anybody. And we certainly don't help ourselves. We actually close that door. And what I have a tendency to do is if somebody, if I can see somebody's trying and they're still struggling and they're really getting it wrong, what I will often do is ask if they want to take a second and actually talk about it if they want to have that conversation. And sometimes people do. Sometimes people will say, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to shift. And I'll be honest, I am older. Okay, I'm 42. So they for me is plural. When I grew up, they was, you know, right. multiple people. And people will often ask me, or they'll default to they for me. And I'm like, nope, not they. I don't like they. And they go, well, why not? You're, you're gender fluid. That's what you people like. And I go, well, first of all, you people, that's, that's a that's, whole different Yeah, issue. I just got to <clears throat> Yeah, you said that. But what I say to people is when I'm a man, I'm a man. It's he, him, Kirk. When I'm a woman, it's she, her, it's Kaya. 
there is no point for me where it's it's something in the middle. And that's where you sometimes hear people when they say, you know, they're gender diverse, gender fluid. Gender fluidity doesn't always mean man and woman. Somebody could be a woman and a gender. They could be a man and a gender. They could be a man and a demi-male or they could be a woman and a demi-male. So they can be any kind of combination in there. And I just want to ask, demi-male, are you comfortable with that term? I, I'm not sure. No, I don't know what that means. Okay. So demi-male and demi-female typically are the terms that are applied to somebody who is a male or a female, but expresses a little bit more on the opposite side of the spectrum. So if you have a man who expresses in a more feminine manner, they might identify as a demi-male. So biologically, they're still a male, but they express more like a traditional woman than a man. And then demi-female is the same thing. So technically, I'm a demi-male and a female demi male and a woman um, and you see the confusion in terminology because all of a sudden we've introduced male and female when we're still talking about gender not talking about sex um, so that terminology gets confusing for people but I will take that time and I'll, I'll ask people I'm like do you want me to explain what it means for me to be gender fluid do you want to know why pronouns are or aren't important or why I use he and she and not they and them and a lot of the time people are like yes but they don't want to be the person to initiate that conversation. So that's where I say sometimes people in the communities, we have a role to offer that, but we shouldn't ever feel like you have to because then you start to get into feeling like you have to justify yourself, you have to educate, and that's not the point, right? The point is to, if you're comfortable, open that conversation and say to somebody, like, this is my experience. And I think the biggest thing for getting past terminology to people is being willing to face the difficult conversation. It's being willing, kind of like you are right now, to stumble a little bit and be like, oops, uh-oh, because it doesn't cause a great deal of harm when it's done with respect. I'm not going to say it's not awkward, okay? And I'll be honest with both of you, the two questions I get usually two to three times a week still is what's in your pants and what bathroom do you use, okay? Of all the questions people could ask, these are the two that I get the most often. And that's awkward because that has nothing to do with them wanting to know about me as a person. That's them almost wanting to, you know, dissect the freak as it were. And that's where that conversation gets awkward is because would you ever walk up to a cisgendered colleague and ask them what's in their pants? You, well, no, you wouldn't get be like harassment. It's probably you'd get a harassment complaint. Like exactly. when you said that to me, I'm like, that's just rude. You wouldn't go up and be like, are you circumcised? You know, do, <laughs> do you shaved? You wouldn't have that conversation. But sometimes people feel it's okay to have with gender diverse people. And then they cover it saying, well, I'm just curious. But that's mm -hmm. not curiosity, right? That's a harmful fascination. Unless you're going to sleep with me, which off the market, you don't need to know what's in my pants. It's not important. So those types of questions take it from being respectful. And in the case of your family member, sometimes it's stopping. And if the other person doesn't ask, you, you can take a moment, step back and say, look, I acknowledge I'm not doing very well with this. I'm trying. I'm struggling. Can you help me? And if that person then says no and files a complaint, that complaint shouldn't go very far because the other person has done nothing disrespectful. But if your family member had have been, you know, 
the other person had have said, well, these are the pronouns I use. Here's why. Please do it. And your family member had have said, no, I don't want to. That's complaint worthy, right? Because it's not respectful. So sometimes by the other person offering or sort of opening up and asking the question in a respectful way, it cuts that, it short circuits that complaint um, mindset that some people do have. Because what are you going to say? This horrible person tried to respectfully, you know, treat me respectfully, get my pronouns right, and admitted they were struggling. Yeah. What, what complaint is that? Right. So, so I think that's one of the ways that people can handle it. Because if you run away in fear, or if you hide from that conversation, then that's what happened to your family member is, is they tried. But because the conversation didn't happen, the other person assumed that your family member was trying to be harmful and hurtful, which it doesn't sound like they were at all. No. So I'm curious, how does it work? Like you said, you can transition at any point during the day. I would imagine that's not just challenging in terms of perspective. Like you have the the necklace and to me, that's pretty straightforward and easy to understand. But for you as a person, I can't imagine the kind of challenges you must enter into sometimes when it's like you go to work and then you're like, oh, I want to change. Like, how? what's that like for you? Um, um, it's hard. And it's hard in that, you know, people, and I said it earlier, and it's a sentence that I've said a lot, but it has a lot to it, a lot more than it sounds like. When I say I know what people see, it's actually a very painful statement because people look at me and they go, okay, yesterday I had a full beard. Um, so they go beard, no breasts, you know, physiologically know what we're getting into. And so the assumptions are made and it, it's hard because when I'm a woman, you know, and people say, okay, I'll take one step back. People often think gender fluidity is dissociative identity disorder and it's not, but it sometimes can come across that way because of how the language is used to express the situation. So as an example, as a man, I hate country music. I hate it. I, I detest it. I won't listen to it. As a woman, I love it. Okay. And people go, well, then you're two different people. I'm like, no, same person. But it's because when I'm a man or a woman, I see and focus on different things. So for example, if I go to the NAC with my wife to see a play, as a man, I focus on the lighting, the set, the costumes. I focus on some of those elements. But then if I see the same play as a woman, then I focus on the acting, the positioning on stage. I might focus on the music. So there's there's different parts that for whatever reason I key in on. And, you know, I had a friend who took some voice samples because I didn't believe it. Um, and when they compared the voice samples, you can see it's the same person, but the cadence changes, the pitch changes, the voice speed, everything changes. So as a woman, I talk differently than I talk as a man. You can still tell it's the same person, but you can hear a literal difference and you can actually see on a voice analyzer differences. Um, and in the same way, my hand gestures as a man are far larger. My hand gestures as a woman are smaller. They're more constrained and confined, which a friend who is an anthropologist, I didn't even know the theory, was explaining that that's very common because men are taught to own space to be dominant. Women are taught to be, you know, more submissive, not to own space, so smaller hand gestures. So some of those things, you know, 
subconsciously I pick up on. And when I go to work, you know, if I walk in and I'm wearing, let's say, makeup and a dress, and then I become a man, looking in the mirror hurts. It's hard because there's still those social expectations. And unfortunately, what I see at that time is exactly what I am. I see a man in a dress and it doesn't feel comfortable for me. You know, when I go swimming, if I go swimming and I'm a man and I'm just wearing swim trunks and then I change and I'm Kaya, I don't feel comfortable having my chest showing. It, it does. It feels very awkward for me. Um, so, you know, at the start, when I first started coming to terms with everything, when I traveled, I took, you know, two sets of clothing. I still do two sets of clothing, you know, two sets of shoes, everything. And so it's it's harder that way because now you have to pay for your baggage as a simple example. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's also how people see you. It's how people look at you. And people will say, well, how do you know when you're a man and you're a woman? Because you, you see that disbelieving look on their face, that look that says, you know, either you're a cisgendered man who's, you know, experimenting or making fun of the transgender community, which is not true, or oftentimes from members in the transgender community, I get told, well, you're in denial, you're actually a transgender woman, so just come out, it's okay. And I'm going, but I'm neither. I'm literally who I am. I'm the third option in this case, which is a man and a woman. Um, and, you know, when I look at things as an example, I have a transgender boyfriend. Um, so he is on hormones. He is looking to do gender confirmation surgery. There's an end state for him, right? He's got a very specific place for where he wants to go. But for somebody who's gender fluid, that end state doesn't exist. So if I have surgery or take hormones, I lose a body that I like as a man that makes me cry as a woman. But then if I transition and I have a female body, I don't have the body that I want as a man and I would be in tears from that side of it. So that's, I think, one of the hardest, hardest things is there's no end state. There, there's that constant, you know, you one day I can get out of the shower, look in the mirror, and it's fine. I go ahead, brush my teeth, shave, it's all good. The next day I could get out, look in the mirror, and as a woman, what I see is enough to have me on the ground in tears, um, in a ball, shaking, because it's so wrong. Um, and that's, I think that's the biggest challenge, is, you know, you never know what you're going to see or how you're going to feel when you look in a mirror. So the question that I had lost before that I came back to was how do we start dispelling these terms like that are so associated man, male, woman, female that have been in place for generation after generation after generation? How do we start to redefine them? Or is it better to just create new terms or new terminologies like gender fluid, like do they need redefining? Do they need expansion? How do you feel about that? Um, it, this gets into the question really of the difference between gender inclusive language and gender neutral language. And this is a hot, hotly, hotly debated topic, um, certainly within the communities and definitely with um, people who are gender diverse. I'm not a fan of removing gender from language. I, I don't believe in it. So, for example, down in Australia, they tried with their public service. Um, they had a day where 
public servants could not call clients by gendered terms. They could not use he, she, her, him, um, man, woman. They were, they were not allowed. They tried to see how it went, and it backfired because men who went up said, well, why can't I be called who I am? Why, why because other people don't fit in the gender binary, does that mean I can't identify as myself? And, you know, that's to me part of the issue is gender inclusive language is about adding terminology to provide other options for people. Gender neutral language actually takes options away from people and it causes a lot of backlash. So if you're cisgendered and all of a sudden you get told you can't use man, woman, she, her, he, him, how do you feel? You know, now somebody's telling you you can't identify as who you are. And if you ask most gender diverse people, at least most of the ones I've talked to, they don't want that because they know what it's like not to be able to identify as who you are. And they don't want to take that away from anyone else. So I think it's about finding other ways to bring that into the language. So if you look at French as an example, if as Kirk, I would say, je suis directeur. As Kaya, I would say, je suis directrice. And, you know, doing a language test, if I go between those two styles, it's seen as an error. It's actually marked as incorrect, even though it is correct. And I don't consciously think about my gender when I'm speaking French. So I literally, you'll hear me change back and forth all the time. Um, and if we don't find other ways to incorporate that and deal with that, then all of a sudden people like myself get marked wrong for expressing who we are. And that's what we don't, you know, I don't want for anyone else. I don't want anyone else to be told, you can't do that. That's horrible. So this is where, for something like French, there are some movements towards um, other types of inclusive language. There's the IEL ending. Um, in English, there's movements towards starting to add X to things. So instead of folks, F-O-L-K-S, there's some small movement to have it written F-O-L-X. Um from my perspective, I'm not a fan. I, I don't I don't like destroying old language to, you know, overwrite that. It's there for a reason. Folks is there, guys, ladies, men. Um, I think it's about asking the people who don't necessarily fall on that gender binary, how do we represent that? How do we find ways to do it? And I think that then lets everybody express who they are versus focusing on letting one group or two groups express who they are. I'm going to go back again to something you said before about what it's like for you to transition from Kirk to Kaya or Kaya to Kirk and how it can happen. How do you take care of yourself through those transitions emotionally um, for your like mental health, your well-being for yourself? If you have those moments where you come out of the shower and you're like, on the floor crying how do you take care of like what are the do you have tools or tactics or what do you use in your life to stay focused to stay centered to deal with those kinds of ups and downs that you're experiencing so one of the things that i do um because i'm a very visual person so as kaya when i see either in a mirror or a reflection see a body shape or image that doesn't match is I have breast forms, um, I have a wig. So those will help me sort of have a visual impression that is more aligned with who I am. Um, and 
it, it's one of those things that can get challenging and I'm, I'm going to be delicate here but I think it's important is you know being physically intimate is hard right because as you know my partner so if I'm physically intimate with my boyfriend and I'm Kirk there's certain places he can touch but if all of a sudden I switch to Kaya there's places that if he touches causes very very bad gender dysphoria um, so it's it's having those conversations about you know what to look for where there are areas to touch or not touch um, and it's it's in a sense a little bit easier for us just because you know he's transgender so we've had those conversations um, regarding his physical self as well but it's for me it's changing the physical appearance um, helps it's also really trying not to focus on it it's trying not to think about it um, and this is where sometimes people will say you know I, I feel like you're Kaya right now but I, I don't see the pendant um, and I can tell you both I, I've been a little bit back and forth but I just pendant hasn't come out because the hands are too busy um, <laughs> but it's it's about not thinking about it you know it's trying not to reflect on it because either way whether I'm Kirk or whether I'm Kaya I'm still me I'm still the same person it's different expressions of the same person. It's different ways of seeing and interpreting life and responding to situations. Um, but the more I focus on it, the more I can cause myself to go into a downward spiral. Because then I go, you know, it, it's never going to get better. It's never going to end. There's no solutions. But instead, it's about focusing and saying, okay, what can I control? And it's focusing on that because, you know, for somebody even who's transgender, and I won't speak to that experience, but if that person hasn't transitioned, they have certain things they can and cannot control. So by focusing on what you can control, like anyone, you know, cisgendered, heterosexual, whatever the case may be, we don't do ourselves any favor by focusing on what we can't control. So I try to focus on what I can control, and I try to, you know, look at it and think about those positive experiences. I, I went. Um, two summers ago to the beach over in Gatineau Park and there were a bunch of young men sort of playing football in the water and I had put on a one-piece bathing suit for the first time out in public and I could see you know they were kind of looking our way and, and laughing and you know the football came over once and I threw it back and it came over the second time the guy was like don't worry I got it and he started to come over and I was first thing I thought was oh my god am I getting in a fight is this you know is this person going to attack me and when he came over, he goes, I noticed you've been looking at us. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking, great, does he think I'm trying to hit on them? Like, what is happening here? And he goes, I just want you to know we aren't laughing at you. We all think you actually look really nice, just having a good time and, you know, just wanted to let you know so that you didn't feel awkward. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's those things. It's, you know, focusing on friends of ours who we went over and were swimming. And when I got there, had on the trunks went to go out of the bathroom, was like, well, actually one, put on the one piece. And, you know, their three kids didn't say anything. It wasn't, it wasn't even an issue. It wasn't a question. And focusing on that kind of positivity reminds me that even though I can't change my body physically for it to be what I would want, that society still is getting better. That, you know, the younger generation, it's not an issue for them. It's, they're looking at it going, you're a person. You are who you are. And I think that's the biggest thing um, is just realizing how far we've come in the past 42 years. It's not perfect, but we're, we're light years ahead of where we used to be. For sure. 
it's uh it's crazy when you look back and you watch any sort of documentary or information or you read about it we're actually very similar in age i'm 39 and when you go back and you look it has come like a ridiculously long way and there's lots of places to go but it's i think sometimes it's just about taking that moment to reflect and see how far things have come it's mm -hmm. true i used to work with teenagers and i would see and they're like oh cool whatever like it's very with the younger generation it can be very like off the cuff and one of the parts of my journey was I just had to start accepting that um, oftentimes the person who cared the most was me. Yeah. And that's not even just about my identity or my sexual preferences or like that's about anything in my life, where I live, what I wear, how I look that day, how, how I feel in my body about my weight. Usually the person who cares the most, who creates that difficulty most of the time, not all of the time, is me. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see younger people being more like, cool, you're a person, because I think that's what it does come down to. What you just said hit home for me a lot is you're just a person, you know, we're all just people and we're just having this experience. And uh, that's the most important part. And everybody's experience is different. And there's an interesting thing, and this is a question somebody asked me that, that I'd like to share because it's a tough one. Somebody said, how do you know when you're a man and when you're a woman? And I kind of went, okay, that's a good question. And I said, but before I answer that question, without referring, I'm going to turn the question back over to the two of you. And you don't have to answer. You can think about it. But without referring to physiology, body parts, or what society tells you, your gender is how do you know you're a man or a woman how would you explain that to somebody so if somebody came up to you on the street and said how do you know you're a woman ryan how do you know you're a man without going to physiology dna how would you explain that to them i i guess i kind of have a long-winded answer for you to, to this <laughs> but i'd love to hear it let's so, go yeah so because when i first was you know born like grown up as a boy basically and everyone referred to me as a man I guess for me it just kind of it was just normal and as I've grown up and through my own experiences especially when I went to Toronto and I got more involved with meeting people and talking to people in the LGBTQ community I started to realize like more about myself is that like for a long time I had been trying to live by what they dictate as being a male or being masculine right to a T and doing that was causing a lot of suffering for myself like I still refer to myself as a man and like a lot of people assume that I'm gay and I thought maybe for a little bit that I might have been bisexual so like I kind of experimented with that a little bit and I realized like no I'm just like I'm not into guys I just tend to gravitate toward people that I just connect with whether it be you know a man woman or whatever that in this case right so there are there are times where I feel like I'm way more like sensitive I guess is a good word to use uh, where I feel like I like I cry a lot easier and then there's other days where I just feel like nothing really affects me like I'm totally fine um, but I don't know for me like I never really tried to identify what that is I just kind of was called a man and that's what people refer to me as that's what I look like I guess traditionally so that's what it's always been like. Um, but no, I do, like I, I'm more into spirituality. So I look at it more as like energy because they, they talk about 
masculine energy being more like logical and then feminine energy being more creative. And I kind of can bounce back and forth between those energies depending on the day. But I guess for me, like to connect it to your experience, I've never really felt that kind of um, dysphoria or like that I have to uh, label myself with a different with a different name. But I do kind of understand that a little bit because a lot of people are like, or are you gay? And I'm like, no. And then, then they ask my friends, like, are, are they are you sure he's not? Because like he, he seems like he is. I'm like, I can tell you, like, I'm not, but I'm like, I'll probably be called that till the end, the end of my days, but yeah. whatever. It doesn't bother me, but I just think it's funny. And it, it's interesting when you look at your answer, though, is so you, you know that you're a man because that's what people told you. But mm. if you took that away, you still are going to have an internal sense of self. And that's where it becomes, you know, tough because people look at it and they're like, well, you know, what makes a man? And if you ask people, you get things like uh, they watch sports, they they go hunting, they drink beer. They, I'm like, yeah, I have a female uh, cousin. Well, she's marrying my cousin. She does all those things. And people look at her and they're like, she's more of a man than you are. I'm like, but folks, there is no none of those activities is masculine or feminine other than because societies define them that way right you look at pink and blue boys used to get pink clothing women used to get blue that's the way it used to be and then it changed and all of a sudden do you know why it changed toy companies because the toy companies went you know what if we take this same one teddy bear and we make a pink one and a blue one we can sell it to both men and women we double our audience we're not just selling it to you know baby girls or parents of baby girls so coloration actually came in as a commercialized way to boost revenue that's where a lot of that comes from and you know when you look at these things those connotations of and you still hear it in that toxic masculinity way of you know real men don't cry it says who 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 decided that one because i didn't get a vote okay i missed that meeting yeah. In, in brackets, it should say in public. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I guarantee they do cry. They just don't show sure. it. And and why should a man not cry in public? We, my wife and I saw, and I forget exactly which musical it was, but there was not a dry eye in the house. Okay. And you still hear people and they're like, oh, oh, you're not a real man. What is a real man? Does a real man mean not being in touch with your emotions? Because if that's a real man, I'm glad I'm not one. It's it's these social constructs that we put on people, and you know it, it doesn't make any sense um, to me. And people say, well, if the social constructs weren't there, would you still be gender fluid? I'm like, I'd still be who I am, but I'm not gender fluid because I looked at it and said, well, I like these stereotypes, so I'm going to be a man over here, and I like these stereotypes, so I'm going to be a woman over here. I literally, when I experience. Um, you know, friends have told me, and it's it's funny to me, they've told me that some of them, they don't like me as Kirk. They're like, you're mean, you're you're very blunt, you're very direct, you're very, you know, type A personality. They're like, as Kaya, you're not. I'm like, but I'm the same person. And it doesn't mean that as Kaya, I can't yell. I can. I do. Um, it doesn't mean as Kirk that I can't cry. I can, and I do as well. But, you know, it's interesting. I don't swear. When I'm a woman, I don't swear. Period. It, a curse word will not cross my lips and people are like well do you and it's not that I stop and go oh I you know I'm a woman now so I shouldn't swear 
it just it happens that way and yes I have no doubt part of that is social conditioning I've no doubt at all but there's still that experience of if you show me as an example a painting as Kirk and as Kaya you'll see two very very different responses because of what I'll key in on quickly um, and I've done some work I've had some you know brain scans done and things like that and what they showed is as Kirk certain areas of the brain light up as Kaya certain areas of the brain light up still the same person but there's very very different cognitive approaches to the stimuli around me and you know if I had to say to somebody well that's that's the difference that's about as close as I can get but if you ask that question to most people what they're going to tell you is they're going to say well I know I'm a woman because I have breasts I know I'm a man because I have a penis and I'm like that makes you male or female and not even 100% then. Because when you talk about sex, sex is something that is assigned at birth. It's not even something that is tested for. It is a visual inspection by the doctor with the parents, and then a decision is made based on physically what they see. But you have some people, you know, that are either intersex or who are a man or a woman, or sorry, male or female, where their DNA doesn't match the typical stereotyped DNA so it's it's one area where it gets very challenging and I, I don't want to talk too much because in case you have more questions but I want to ask you one other thing name me one product that is gendered one product that is only for a specific gender and yes there is a stereotypical answer that I do get that I will share <laughs> uh, tampons <laughs> that's the one I was, uh, that's exactly what I was that's perfect see Ryan, you were right in my head. Okay, so you're going to say tampons. I'm going to argue to you that is incorrect. Do you want to know why? Do you know that there are men who menstruate? My boyfriend is one. He's a man, but he menstruates. So how can it be a feminine hygiene product? Doesn't make any sense. There are men who give birth. Now you're going to get people who turn around and say, well, no, actually... You know, they're not a real man. No, no, they're a real man because that's who they are. They may not have a male body at that instance. They're still a man. And that's where you see that, that confusion between sex and gender. And if you look at, I'm not sure where the two of you are necessarily calling from, but if you look at a lot of identification, like driver's license and health cards, it says sex on it. But what it is actually referring to in a lot of cases is gender. So somebody who is transgender can have a note to change their gender markers. Okay, I'm actually in the process of arguing with the province of Ontario to get both gender markers put on my IDs. They're telling me it's it's not doable. Um, I'm kind of telling them it's three letters, so you can't tell me it's not doable. They're already coded in there. Um, but that's the interesting thing. So somebody who's transgender, their ID says sex, but actually what it's showing is their gender because they don't have to have gender confirmation surgery to change that gender marker. So already at the provincial level and even at the federal level, identifications are confusing those terms. So it's no wonder that people find it difficult and struggle when even our government at multiple levels has forms and processes that intermingle these terms. So to go back like a little bit, I think one of the bigger problems that 
I face or I have faced in the past, and even just with the conversation that we've had today, is that it can be kind of confusing, at least at first, because it's a lot of new language that's getting tossed around and that we have to kind of try to wrap our heads around. But in saying that, too, like I, I'm definitely with the podcast as well that we're trying to uh, apply more acceptance and understand where people are coming from, like what your experience has been like on a personal level, which is great that you've been very helpful at explaining a lot to us. And um, yeah, I just I find it so fascinating because like there is such a social construct with certain aspects. Right. And like we're so quick to try to put other people in boxes. It's like, no, no, you're, you're a woman. You're supposed to do this and be like that and act this way and whatever. Right. But then it's the same thing with, with men. And I don't even realize that I do it sometimes. I'm starting to become more aware that I put myself in a box sometimes too. Like, Oh, I, I shouldn't act like that around people or, Oh, I shouldn't say that thing. Or I, you know, should act a certain way. And it's, it's so interesting because like, I want to try and get out of the boxes, but it's, Every time I jump out of one, it's like I jump out of one and land in another one. Right? So yeah. Trying to look at somebody as a whole person, as an individual. And like you are not, you know, one book cover, right? Like there's multiple pages in there. There's a lot of different variety. And, you know, like you look at um, like even in sports, they have a separate like uh, women MMA and stuff like that. And like back in the day, they would have never let women like fight each other on like a professional level. You know, so like we have come a long way, but there's still so much farther to go. And I just find it kind of funny sometimes how people are so quick to like put a label on someone. And I was like, well, how do you know? Do you know them? Like, you don't know what they're capable of. You don't know what they can do. You know, so that's slowly just breaking down barrier by barrier. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's learning to live in the uncomfortable of not knowing, like operating in gray areas. So I think it's just easier for people to put ourselves and other people in boxes because when we know what they are, we don't have any doubts or insecurities or fears around that. And things that are different automatically like rock the boat for lack of a better term, you know, like, uh oh, things are a little bit unbalanced. I'm not really sure what I'm dealing with here. And labels create certainty and they create comfort even if they're not right or even if they're not certain. It gives people... um, structure and just an easier way to operate labels Labels aren't inherently bad labels if they're used as a starting point can actually be very useful right because you're going to look at certain things and you're going to go okay you walk into a room you see 100 people and you're going who do i talk to first where do i start you're going to find your comfort zone because that helps you but where i think for me anyway the problem is labels oftentimes become, instead of the beginning of a conversation, they become the end of a conversation. People see somebody and they're like, label, Jenny, you're a lesbian, so I know everything about you. <laughs> I, don't know anything, I don't know anything about you, right? And, and you, you could be a lesbian who's you know into boxing and MMA and I don't know, or you could be a lesbian who's into makeup or you could be a lesbian who's into both. Or, and that's where it can start to have a conversation because if you say, hi, I'm Jenny, I'm a lesbian, I might say, oh, you know, do you have a wife? Do you have a girlfriend? It gives me a starting point to start a conversation. But if I assume that that label is all that you are, that's when I, I lose out the opportunity to get to know a person. And I think sometimes that's what happens is people go, oh, that person's gay. I don't, I don't like gay people. 
Um, you know, and I have a friend in the U.S., and it's, it's funny. He's an adamant Trump supporter, okay? And I, as you might want to guess, I'm not. Um, and he and I are very good friends. And, you know, he's we invited us to go down and see him and everything else. I said, you want me to come down to the Deep South with my wife and my boyfriend as a gender-fluid pansexual person right now? And he goes... No, probably not a good idea. And I said to him, but I don't understand. How can we be friends when you support Trump? I said, do you hate gay people? He goes, yes. I said, do you hate me because I'm pansexual? He goes, no. I said, why not? And his answer, and this I think sums it all up, he goes, because I know you. And I said, so all I have to do is introduce you to every gay person. You get to know them. You're good. No more homophobia. And that's the problem, is he has an impression in his head about what a gay person is, what a gay person's values are, what a gay person does. But if he can put that label to one side and get to know the person, then we have a whole different conversation. And that's where people get stuck, you know, is they see one label and they focus on it. And they're instead of saying this is one part, one book in or one page in the book, as Ryan said, they go, this is what the book is about. And then there, there's no conversation because they've made up their mind. I think that's like, again, like you only talk about my personal experience, but I think that's why I don't even usually ever bring it up. Like I just will usually, I'm just a person. It just happens to be a part of who I am. It's not who I am. It's a, it's a portion of who I am. And I know for, for my girlfriend, she gets very frustrated because she's, very straight looking for those who are listening you can't see my air quotes but she's very feminine and she's very girly and she's very like soft and very traditionally feminine and so often and she has a son and often people will be like oh well tell his dad and she's like <sighs> like it's a constant coming out process it's a constant telling and it's annoying and it's frustrating because it's not who people are like, straight people don't walk around going, hey, I'm Jim, I'm straight, nice to meet you, you know? <laughs> and like, yeah, because it's not who you are. And I understand because we live in a world that's predominantly heterosexual, predominantly patriarchal, predominantly capitalist oriented, if not completely on that front. But they're not the be all end all of what a person is, you know, it's like Ryan, how you spoke about the fact that like, I identify as male, I'm a guy, but I'm more sensitive, maybe or whatever, you don't like, I don't know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a constant process of having to identify and explain to people. And if we could just let people be who they are, and just realize that people are people, they're not male, they're not female, they're not gay, they're not straight, they're not, you know, we're more than that. We're more than even like the body that we feel if we go on a spiritual level. Like for me, there's a reason I think when I go to a funeral, we're going to get a little bit dark, but I go to a funeral and I see people in a casket and I don't feel the person there anymore because they're not, you know, I don't know. I guess that's what I have to say about that. It's just frustrating to have to constantly explain. And I feel like my existence is relatively simple compared to what you're explaining that your experience is like as like on your journey of being a human transitioning from one gender to the next. I can't imagine it's, what that must be like. 
it's funny in a sense because I'll, I'll sometimes get people with this, you know, this this whole tell your pronouns, share your pronouns. It's a big thing. Um, and it's funny because people will say, what do I call you? And I go with Kirk is good. Kai is good. And they're like, no, 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 really. What do I call you? And I'm thinking you're now assuming that she or he actually tells you more, says more about me than my own name. My name, if you want to call me something, my name encompasses it all. You may not know all of it yet, but that's the best thing to call me. Because guess what? You can't ever really get it wrong. And I mean, I still have people who call me both names. My, my old boss would always call me Kirk Kaya. I'm like, it's only one at a time. But, you know, he didn't want to be wrong. He didn't want to be offensive. And when we spend so much time worried about, do I get the right pronoun? We're missing the important part. A pronoun replaces a name. A name is there to refer to a human being. Mm. Start with the name. If you're not sure, you can't go wrong. If a person you know, walks up and says, hi, my name is Mark or Julie or Sarah or whatever, if you respond using that name, you don't, you don't get it wrong. You know, you don't get somebody who's like, actually, I prefer they. Or actually, I, pre- I, I was talking to an individual and it was, it was interesting. It was somebody who contacted me and they were, they were struggling a little bit with their child. Their child had sort of come out to them. And, you know, they're like, I don't understand. I'm like, okay, well, well what do you not understand? And they said, so their birth name is Sarah. I'm like, okay. And I said, are they transgender? Are they gender diverse? Like, I need a little context. And they said, well, no, they, they tell me they're cisgendered, but they want to be referred to as he and him. And I kind of went, okay, I, I, I'll be honest, I was thrown for a loop. I didn't know what to say to that because it was, it was bizarre to me. And, you know, I got a chance to talk to the, talk to the child and they're like, in their mind, they viewed themselves as female and as a woman but they wanted everybody else to view them as a man. But they weren't transgender in their mind. Their identity was, gender identity was a woman, but they wanted to be referred to as a man. And what came out about it is because they felt that in society, women were looked down on. Women were looked down as less than men, as not as strong, you know, not making as much money, all of these sorts of things. So. From their perspective, they wanted to still be who they were, but they wanted to be treated like a man. And, and it was an interesting discussion and an interesting sort of perspective because it, it sort of highlights that we have sex, we have gender, we have gender expression, um, and, and we also have almost a sociological related identity to gender and gender roles. So it's it's complex at best, yeah. but it's never boring. It's definitely complex never, never and not boring. boring. <laughs> no. So I guess like going forward from here, what would you recommend to anybody who might be struggling themselves with like, I guess, figuring out more who they are and how they can, I guess, kind of traverse the, landscape out there with like how can they present themselves or how can they have these these types of conversations with people um or not really take things as personally if people are making these assumptions or identifying them wrong oh that's that's a lot of a lot of questions 
I think the biggest thing, biggest, I guess, advice I can offer, I'm going to start with the last question you asked and then kind of work, work back a little bit. But in terms of not, not taking it as sensitively, it's not about taking it sensitively or not. It's about trying to, before you react, look at where that other person is coming from. So as an example, walking down the street, um, this was about three months ago before COVID, so maybe four now, um, I had on a nice blouse and you know, a pair of pants and two men walking by shouted out, oh, effing trannies think they run the world. This is what they yelled at me. And my gut reaction wanted to be to yell back some highly inappropriate things. Um, but I stopped and looked at it and I was like, what do I win? What, what does that gain anybody? These are obviously two individuals who don't care. They don't understand. They don't want to understand. There, there's no interest in understanding on that part. Um, and this is where a, you know, a friend and a colleague of mine put it into perspective. He goes, there's two types of ignorance. There's small eye ignorance, which is not knowing what we don't know. right? So the two of you didn't know some things about gender fluidity, so we're having this conversation today. It's small eye ignorance because we can't know everything. There's nothing wrong with that. And then there's capital I ignorance, which is once somebody is explained or offered or you've had those conversations, you know, it would be like a transgender person explaining um, what pronouns they use, what their gender is, and somebody else being like, well, I don't care, you're still X. That's big I ignorance. And you can't solve that. Um, and I think this is where people need to take a second to stop and think about it. Um, because if you react to everybody like it's capital I ignorance, you're going to turn people off. You're going to take potential allies who maybe want to learn, who maybe are supportive, and you're going to turn them into people who won't be because you're going to be aggressive with them. And it doesn't mean that you have to, as somebody who's gender diverse, you know, justify or explain yourself every time. I've had a couple of times where somebody asked me questions and I said, you know what, I can't handle it today. I can't do it. We can have this conversation later, but I need to respect my own boundaries and I can't justify myself to you right now and I don't need to. And the person just said, I, I'm sorry, like I wasn't trying to cause you harm. I said, you're not. I said, but I need to protect myself and, you know, my own well-being. And that's where sometimes people get trapped into that cycle of feeling they owe it to other people to justify and explain themselves. And they don't. So, you know, like you're talking about your girlfriend having to explain that, guess what? There's not a dad. Um, and that's where sometimes it's a simple just looking at the person and being like, I'm not even going into it today. And I don't have to. Um, so that's, I think, one of the big things is try to determine where that person's coming from. And if it's capital I ignorance, sometimes you're still going to call them out. Sometimes you're going to let it go. But take care of yourself first. Protect yourself. Um, answer, educate when you have the energy to do so. Because if you try to educate when you're tired or upset or feeling vulnerable, that will do more harm to you as an individual and it'll do more harm to the other person because you won't be in the right space. Um, and, you know, in terms of looking at how people can kind of come to grips with who they are and explore it, it's it's not easy. Um, and one thing I'll say is I've always been gender fluid, but the term didn't exist until probably about five, six years ago. I'd never heard of it. So, you know, when I finally heard it and looked into it, I was like, oh, OK. Um, but take resources that are out there with a grain of salt. 
Um, there's a lot of resources that are written by people for specific reasons. And it doesn't matter whether it's in other parts of the LGBTQ2 plus communities, um, whether we're talking about members that are transgender or gender diverse or even, you know, gay or lesbian. People are going to write materials with their own agendas in mind and their own perspectives in mind. Look at the resources, you know, compare them, be open, but take the information that speaks to you as a person. You know, if somebody, and I, I'll be honest, I have people in the transgender community as an example who look at me and they're like, well, there's no such thing as gender fluid. I'm like, okay. And, you know, they'll throw resources at me and all the rest of it. I'm like, that's fine. That's not my experience. And don't let anybody else tell you what resources you have to read or what resources are the best. And you'll see, I didn't send a lot of resources to you because a lot of the resources about gender fluidity either target youth um, and it's a very different experience, you know, when you're eight or nine versus when you're 42. Um, but there's also a lot that try to frame it under the transgender umbrella term. And, and, you know, people who are transgender sometimes will be like, I don't want to be associated with people who are gender fluid. Gender fluid people might have the same opinion. So be critical in whatever resource or resources um, you're looking at, research, and make sure that it makes sense to you. Don't let somebody, whether it's, you know, health professional, family, friends, tell you what you are um, and take the time. I, I think that's one of the biggest things. There's a lot of people who rush into, you know, trying to say, well, this is who I am. It, it took me 42 years and guess what? I'm still, still going down that journey and exploring. And, you know, I have a boyfriend who, it, it's interesting. My wife prefers me with a beard. Boyfriend prefers me without a beard. Uh, and I prefer sometimes with a beard and sometimes without a beard. So it's it's finding, you know, whether it's gender expression elements, whether it's, you know, sexuality, whether it's spirituality, it's finding out who you are and not being afraid to say, that's who I was, but I'm continuing to evolve as a person. It doesn't mean that you got it wrong. There's no such thing as wrong or right when it comes to oneself, um, I guess, in my opinion. It's it's a journey, and I'll probably still be going down this journey when I'm you know 95 and hopefully still skydiving. Um, mm -hmm. But it's pe people want to get to a point and say I am X, and it's done. I, I've reached it, and you know you see people. It's almost like a race. You know, wa watch teenagers. It, it's it's interesting because you'll see them as a group, and you know one person will be like I made it first. I found out my sexuality first. <laughs> good for you <laughs> do you want a medal a trophy like what yeah what, what do you get um and it's you know one of the things that i really love that you said ryan you know is is you looked at it and you said well i think this might be who i am i might be bisexual and you kind of looked at it and you're like no not not who i am and there's nothing wrong with you know taking that time to explore that um but people sometimes are afraid you know, that if they come out and they go, okay, I, I think I'm gay or I think I'm bisexual, and then they experiment and they find out it's not for them, they're afraid that if they step away from that to be their true self, that they're going to get grief, that people are going to say, oh, you were making fun of it or you, you know, whatever. Um, and I guess all I would say is don't be afraid to get grief. If you go through life and you're getting no grief, you're doing it wrong. We could go down a whole other tangent on how I feel about biphobia, but we'll leave that for a different day. But um, <laughs> just because it came up, a question I have too is it seems like we're kind of starting to wrap up here is what would be your advice on how to be the best ally both for as um, 
an adult with other adults or example for parents who have children who might be gender diverse what would you say because i feel like there are two different kinds of allies to be because yes yeah very different um from an adult perspective and it still applies when you're talking as a parent of, of a child who's gender diverse don't try and tell the story for the person that's that's the biggest thing is the work that i do um, I often get people who come to me and they say, well, we, we figured out this, the problem and here's the solution. I said, but did you ask the communities? Did you ask the people whose lives are actually impacted and who have the lived experience? And they go, well, well, no, but I, I'm an expert in whatever. So, you know, I'm an expert training officer or whatever the case may be. And that, I think, is the most harmful thing. And people, unfortunately, will do it out of, you know, good intentions but you'll see somebody who let's say their friend somebody's saying something you know derogatory on a bus or at a club and people jump to their friend's defense but that may not be what your friend needs your friend may need the time to step up and, and you know own that situation themselves they may look at it and they may not want to make a big deal out of it because they may have decided in their mind that person's not worth it it's really important to respect the person and their lived experience and let them guide you as an ally. So for example, if we're out and somebody's, you know, throwing derogatory slurs my way and I look at you, you know, Jenny Ryan, and I say, I, I need help. I can't like, I, I'm so shaken. I may be asking for you to step in. I may be asking for you to take me outside, work with me to help me get what I need in that moment, but don't just jump in and assume because what happens is people sometimes the way it comes across is like the communities are almost like you know immature kids who need to be protected by the adults we're not we're adults we're all adults and there needs to be that as an ally you help me guide you it's no different than right now as an example with everything that's going on racially in north america and across the world it would be like me stepping in if somebody let's say called one of my colleagues the n-word and me, you know, saying to them, stop, I got this. I'll take care of this for you. That's very disempowering to them. That may not be what they want me to do as an ally. That's where I need to be ready. And if they start, you know, saying to the person, what the heck is wrong with you and confronting them, then I need to be there to back that up. And it's the same way for anybody who's gender diverse, or I think the communities in general, is as an ally, take the lead of that person. Let them guide you as to how to support. Um, as an adult for, you know, if, if your own child or let's say a niece, a nephew, friend's child is gender diverse, I think the biggest thing is still having the openness to have that conversation. Because the younger generations right now are taking a strong lead about how they want to live their lives, about how this fits into their world and how it doesn't fit into their world. Um, and as adults, we need to find ways to help provide them with resources and not the resources that we think they need, provide them with a variety of resources and be available to have a conversation with them, be available for them and help them have an open, safe space to ask the questions or to come forward. You know, how many times do you see a young boy, you know, says, Hey dad, I, I want a Barbie or, you know, I want to play dress up with my younger sister in a tutu. And the father's like, you can't do that. Like, that's not manly, son. It's it's about stepping back because there's a lot of kids. Just because your child, let's say four years old, your son, 
puts on a tutu to play, you know, dress up with his sister, it doesn't mean that he's gay or that he's gender fluid or trans. It doesn't mean that. It may just mean he's a boy having fun with his sister, right? And same thing, you know, if your daughter says, hey, I want to do Taekwondo and play with G.I. Joe, and it doesn't mean she's a lesbian and a transgender man. She may just like G.I. Joe. She could grow up to be one of the, you know, the most feminine women you want to meet, and she still might love G.I. Joe. So I, I think I think that's the biggest thing is stop trying to introduce gendered concepts um, where they don't need to be. But by the same token, don't try and eliminate them. Look at look at how many people you see now. There's this trend of raising your child gender neutral. If that's what your child wants, they will guide you that way. They will tell you. Don't try and force them into you know. Try to say to your son, well, you, you're going to wear pink. Well, maybe he doesn't like pink. It doesn't mean that you know he, he's homophobic or anything. He just may not like pink. Maybe he likes yellow. Um, so provide the open space for your child to be a child, to explore, to have those conversations. And you know, if your child says, let's say, your son sees you know mom or dad doing um, nail polish on fingernails or toenails, and says, I want to do that, have the conversation, but explain to them what it may mean if he puts nail polish on and goes to school because there is an impact there kids still although they're getting better we talked about that um there still are these things that's for boys or that's for girls so there is that learned behavior and i think it's it's allowing kids the space but still being there to educate them and then accepting what they tell you um you know and if they tell you hey i'm six and you know what i know i'm a girl or i know i'm a boy or i know i'm in the wrong body accept that and don't don't tell them it's a phase it might be it might not be but if you tell them it's a phase and it's not it's really harmful if you tell them it's if you don't tell them it's a phase and it is a phase you lose nothing right so sometimes it's just better to take it as it comes and and let them be who they are um and just love them for who they are no matter how that turns out amazing i love that yeah (laughs) me too and i can attest to what you said about Sometimes it is something and sometimes it's not. I played rugby for eight years and some of the girliest girls, if you wanted to find them that way, dresses at school, full makeup, hair done every day. They were some of the most aggressive rugby players I have ever seen in my life. I would be like, (laughs) don't hit me. Don't hit me. And these were like the girliest girls you've ever met. They'd be like, I broke my nail. It's like... (laughs) you just plowed that chick on the other team and you're like you can't have nails in rugby anyways but when they could have nails they'd be like oh damn and i'm like you just ripped that chick's hair off her head almost like what's going on here you know so i think like what you said about being aware we have this ability to fluctuate and flow and sexuality has been looked at that way for a long time if you go back to kinsey and like how it's fluid like that and you can be like you know, anywhere along the spectrum, but there's that great saying where nobody is like, very few people are 100% straight, right? It can be the same way with gender. We just are not used to looking at it that way. But when you go back and you think about those things, like I feel very much like a girl. I I played with GI Joes because my brother had tons of GI Joes. And I was reminded when you talked about a son wanting Barbie. I mean, we dealt with that topic back in the 90s. If anybody watched Friends and Ross was freaking out because his son Ben was like, I want a Barbie. And he's like, no, you want this manly GI Joe toy. And his kid yep. just wanted the Barbie. No reason. He just wanted a Barbie. Yep. 
Yeah. So let your kids play with what they want to play with, I guess. Focus more on teaching them right from wrong versus trying to guide gender mm. that may change or may not change. Make good people. Yeah. If you're trying to yeah. say like, oh, you're you're a, you're a girl, so I'll give you girl things, or you're a boy, give you boy things, or trying to keep them neutral, like that's also kind of in the same breath, right? Whereas if yeah. you're just ex- accepting and supporting them and whatever it is that they want to do, like it could be a phase, like let them do whatever it is that pleases them and see see where it goes. Like you never know. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. I I honestly have learned a lot from this already, so I really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. It was definitely my pleasure. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or things, you know where to reach me. Feel free. Um, I'll, I'll say this. You know, it's a very complex subject. There, there's a lot going on. And the more I talk to people, the more I hear, you know, different experiences. And um, myself, I'm just starting to try to educate myself on two-spirit. Um, so I have somebody who's um, within the Indigenous communities helping me with that. And it's, I think the biggest thing is, if you want to know about somebody's, you know, lived experience, or you want to know about a topic, it's like the quote you sent me, Jenny, is talk to the person, talk to somebody. Um, it, it's far more valuable than, you know, trying to research and ask questions when you may not even know what questions you want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mind's going to be going like all night. Yeah. Now. <laughs> like I'm going to be like, okay. Okay, and I can feel it's going to be like percolating just like slowly. Everything's just like going to start coming in more. <laughs> well, the the thing is like that there always feels like there is more that can be said or talked about, right? And I think part of the podcast for me is is hoping that it's the start of the conversation for a lot of other people to so either reach out to us or to reach out to other people and keep the conversation going because as you said it it is complex, so there's a lot of ground to cover, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Kirk. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your candor and your openness. It was, uh, as you said, it was really easy to talk to you. And I know that when we were edging on this topic at the beginning, we were looking at it and Megan recommended that we talk to you. <laughs> Both Ryan and I had a little bit of trepidation, but you were like, no, it'll be good. So we were like, okay, let's do it. This is important. So thank you. See, I appreciate not as it. As it feels. Thank you, Kirk. You are right. That was way less awkward than we originally anticipated. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story, being so open, candid, and vulnerable with us. These are important conversations, and they are not always comfortable to have. But hopefully for anybody listening out there, it's a starting point for you to have the difficult conversations in your life or take this conversation and walk away with a little bit more insight into a life that might be different than yours. For anybody who's looking to get in contact with us, either about this episode or anything upcoming, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is havealittleinsight at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We are Have A Little Insight. Or on Instagram, we are at Hallie Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. It really helps get the word out there and bring more understanding to difficult topics like this one. We hope you're having a great week. Stay tuned. We have a really interesting episode coming up. We are doing a women's roundtable and there will be four different women and myself discussing some hot button female issues. So be sure to check that out. In the meantime, stay tuned. Have a great week and hopefully life is treating you good.